This is uh, Wednesday, February the 1st, and we're going to hopefully continue on with uh, Deuteronomy. And, but, you know, Wednesday nights, you know, we originally, it was uh, so that I can finish up Sunday, right? That was the, that was the goal. Uh, you never finish on Sunday or you would go way, way too long, you go long enough as it is, so you can finish up, finish up or get back into it a little deeper on Wednesday. And then we ended up getting into some books of the Bible and somebody had the great idea of getting into Deuteronomy, and that would be Lois. <clears throat> so we've been doing that, but we, we, I, I want to make sure that you understand that Wednesday nights, if there are questions about the previous Sunday, or any kind of question, feel free to ask, and uh, we can go back over it. And it's going to be on the podcast. It's being recorded. So that would benefit anybody else that might be listening. So uh, we can do that. What, what, what did you think about this past Sunday's message? What, did you, does anybody remember it? <laughs> huh? Sin? It's like Andy Griffith's show, right? You know, Barney's talking about going to church, and Andy asked him, you know, what'd they preach about? And he's like, sin? Because he's always falling asleep everywhere he is. He never can remember anything. And, you know, people pick at me, you know, they'll ask me, so what'd you preach about Sunday? Sin? <laughs> Referencing the Andy Griffith show, and this past Sunday, it's like, yeah. But it was, it was leprosy. We were, we were uh, talking about leprosy and how... Leprosy is a type and picture of sin. And, uh, you know, it might, might be a good idea to go back over it a little bit, but there's, I read the three different accounts of that particular story of that man who had leprosy, who, who sought out Jesus. Jesus had just come down from the mountain, and this, this guy who, who was, and it's, it's, I think it's, Interesting, you might be referred to a certain book and chapter, like this particular story, Luke 5, verses 12 through 15. Well, if you have a Bible, I have the Schofield, the old Schofield, and any time, especially when you're going through the Gospels, since there's that harmony of the Gospels that people like to talk about, it will show you that story, if you go to Luke and you're reading it, at the heading of that, it'll say, it'll have reference to where it is in Matthew, where it is in Mark, or in, in John. But most stories, or most parables, or most whatevers that are in the Gospels, there's a whole lot of them that aren't in every one. That's for most of it. But there's several stories, or parts of the gospel that you might find in one other book, not just that one, but that you happen to be reading. Or it may be in two, two other, so it might be in three, but maybe not all four. So we read out of, because it's in Mark, it's in, uh, and, and it's in Matthew, so we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account. 
And there are certain things that were exactly the same, word for word, certain things, like Jesus saying, I will be thou clean. That was in each one. And each one said, immediately he was cleansed. All right, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here tonight on this Wednesday. Father, we have come together to talk about your holy scriptures. Father, we are here to pray to you and to give you glory. Father, we're very thankful for all that you do for us every single day. And Father, we just want to be a good representation of you in this world. And Father, we come here to meet together, to pray for each other, to edify each other so that we can go out into this world and represent you well. Father, we want others to know you. Father, as we get into your word, I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us and help us to understand. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, um, that's the one place I don't have marked. I always lose one of my markers, but it's Luke 5, and we can go back through it real quick. It might not be a bad idea to do that, so since we started talking about it. Uh, so Luke chapter 5, 12 through, uh, 12 through 15, or 16. It says, And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, now, I think it was over in Matthew, it talks about him coming down off the mountain. Behold, a man full of leprosy. Now, remember what I said about leprosy. I, had those, I, had, I listed those seven things. So you can be thinking about leprosy, but you can interchange sin with leprosy as I go through this list. It has a small beginning. You remember that part? It has a small beginning. So when it first shows up on the, on the human body, it's in a, in a little spot, and it starts to spread. Just like uh, a cancer being in a cell, and then it starts to go throughout the body if you don't catch it. So, starts small, but then spreads through the body. That's number two. And then I said, uh, and I got this from, from an old fella, I, I can't remember if it was A.P. Gibbs or somebody else, but I wrote down what he had quoted here. When, remember what I, when I said, uh, talking about the principle of sowing and reaping? And I said, sow a thought, reap a word. Sow a word, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. So that's, imagine the leprosy spreading throughout your body. It started out with something really, really small, and then it keeps progressing to something worse and worse if it doesn't get taken care of. And the reason, and, and, and the example I gave you was David, King David, man after God's own heart, but he was in his room, remember he goes out onto the rooftop, he looks down and he sees Bathsheba. A thought came to his mind. That thought that was sown reaped a word. He said, servants, uh, go fetch her. 
That was a command. That was a word. And he went down and gave word. She came to his place. And then that word that was sown, you know what, it, what that does? What does it reap? An act. An act happened. And because of that, David's uh, character was starting to be changed. And he started thinking of ways to cover up his sin. Had a great plan to get Uriah back home so he could be with his wife. But Uriah was such an honest and good person that he got back and he said, well, all of my soldiers, all of my men are still at the battle fighting. They can't come home to their wives. Why should I you know, enjoy my wife while I'm here? And he wouldn't. Davis. So Uriah ends up taking his own death sentence and delivers it. And then he's killed on the battlefield. So the character of David is really being changed. And then the destiny. If, with your character, you're, that's going to determine your destiny. And if you take it all the way to the end... Uh, which the last thing was, uh, is death with leprosy. That's what, that's what you're going to end up getting to is death. That's what it's leading to. Same thing with sin. You're dead in, uh, in sins and trespasses. You're dead. And uh, even though you're walking around, your destiny is death. You're going to die. Uh, so backing up to number three, it renders it, leprosy or sin, renders the victim unclean. Number four, it separates the victim from his fellow man. See, in Israel, it separated the, the person who got leprosy, it separated them from their family because you couldn't be near someone with leprosy. You definitely couldn't touch them. But yet, as we were reading in Luke here, when he went to Jesus, when this leper went to Jesus, he said... He, he says, if you will, you can cleanse me, if you will. He, and also, he, he, uh, in, in Matthew, he, he not only bows down, but he worships. And in Mark, I think he kneels. And then in Luke, it says, uh, fell on his face and besought him, I think in another one it said beseeching him, he was earnestly trying to find Jesus because he had leprosy. And he knew it separated him from everybody. See, our sin separates us from, from others. And if you had leprosy, you had to, in Israel, you had to live in a different area. You were really separated. Now, we, I mentioned Naaman... In, in 2 Kings chapter 5, the, the famous story of Naaman, and, and if you back up one chapter in Luke, you will see where Jesus talks about um, Naaman. I'm pretty sure it's in 4. I'm just, I'm just trying to see if it pops out at me. It's where Jesus was talking about how in all of... Oh, yeah, here it is in 27. It says uh, in, in, in Luke 4... 27, it says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eli Elisha. It, it'll say Eli Elias, but that's the Greek uh, spelling of it. 
So Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving, or except Naaman the Syrian. So you just back up that one chapter, you can see Jesus mentioned Naaman. Now, Naaman was able to live with his family, but in Israel that was not possible. You couldn't do that. But Naaman was a really good example of a person who was really good, he was just an outstanding person. Go back and read the story sometime. And when that little girl that was taken... See, if you don't know the story, Naaman had led Syria against Israel, and they had defeated Israel in a battle, and they had taken captive some people. And that little girl was one of the ones that was taken captive. And Naaman, being a really good person... He saw that little girl and saw that she was vulnerable, and he said, make sure that she is my wife's maid. So that was protection for that little girl. That little girl probably realized what he had done for her. I mean, it was terrible for her to be taken away from her family. Maybe her family died in the battle, I don't know. And so she sees how great of a person he is, and she, she's like, he's my master now. He owns me. And then she said watching him suffer with the leprosy, she said, if only he knew about the prophet that's in my hometown back in Samaria. And she was talking about Elisha. And all she did was mention it. And we need to be like that little girl when we see people in their sin and it's destroying their lives. And some of them are good people that have something that just has them, you know? But then there's people that are like, ah, you got all these, and, and leprosy or sin puts us all on the same level. No matter how good you are or how much money you make, if you're a king or a prince or if you're a commoner and are poor, if you're, if you're caught and have the disease of sin, you're all on the same level. So this, this little girl, we need to be like her when we see somebody that is living a life that the destiny is hell, we need to say, if only we can introduce them or tell them to go see the man, Jesus. That's simple. So number six on the list is, it was incurable. Leprosy was incurable. Number five was, uh, it levels, it puts everybody on the same level. Sorry, I didn't give you a number. But we did go over it real quick. So number five was it, it puts everybody on the same level. There's no difference between uh, lepers. If you're a leper, you're a leper. If you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Uh, you know, some sins are greater than others, but don't matter. Your little sins send you to hell just like the big sin. You're all going there. If you don't get introduced to Jesus, because you have a destiny... All right, so number six was, it was incurable. Your sin is incurable except by divine intervention. And that's exactly what happened with Naaman. Naaman, uh, he was such a good person. So I, I want you to see that just because you're a good person, there's so many people who think that they're just, they're good. They're good, honest people, would never steal from anybody, would never hurt anybody, and they're going through life thinking, well, surely I'm good enough for God to accept me into heaven. And that's so sad because 
you're just as lost as the terrible person that I went to last night at the jail and ministered to. You're no better off if you're still in your sin. Now, if you're doing all those great things because you're a born-again child of God, you're good. Your destiny has changed. You're no longer on your way to hell. You're on your way to heaven, and you should be living a better, better life, more holy life today than you did yesterday. So, Naaman was a, was a really good person. And the king in Sirius wanted him to be healed, heard about what that little girl said, and he made everything happen to get Naaman to that prophet Elisha. But they didn't know they were going to Elisha. They went to Israel, and when they showed up, they went to the king of Israel. Are we, are we supposed to depend on our political leaders to solve our problems? Nah, it's not going to work out too good. So Naaman was sent to the king, and the king of Israel was like, Am I God? You, you can't heal leprosy? That's impossible. Oh, you're just trying to pick another fight with us so you can come beat up on us some more. And then Elisha hears about it and says, What's your problem? Why are you ripping your clothes? And, you know, and, and he sent him over to my house. So they send Naaman and his servants over to Elisha's house. And Elisha is up there busy. And uh, I'd say one of his servants, one of her said, That guy you said to send over, he's here. Oh, uh, well, go down there and tell him. You would think he would jump up and go down and greet this person. But now, you know, Jesus isn't coming back down here right now. We are his servants, and Jesus has told us something to go tell people. So we take the message to the people. So that servant went down, and what was the message for Naaman? What? Dip, dip in the Jordan. Go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Seven times. And then Naaman was all upset because Elisha didn't come down to see him. And he didn't give him some great thing to do. If somebody comes up with some, a list of things, if you, if you got a list of things to do, oh, I might be able to do this. And you start checking off the list. Uh, people will, will, will buy books about how to fix themselves and all that. This will work. Oh, look how thick this book is. It's really going to do good. You, you don't even get through the first chapter and you throw it aside. So if, it, you, if, he would, if, if Elisha would have gave uh, Naaman a whole bunch of things, hard things to get accomplished, and he did all of those things, then he would be real proud of himself and he would deserve the leprosy to be taken away. We cannot ever... And if we was in Deuteronomy right now, in chapter 9, that's exactly what Moses is telling the people nation of Israel that's been wandering and getting ready to go to the promised land, that's exactly what we'd be talking about, is that it's not about your good works. It's not about the things you do. You don't deserve promised land. You're, you're, if, I'm telling you to obey the commandments, but if you obey the commandments, that's not a reward for you going to the promised land. Don't think of it that way. If you're cleansed of your sin, don't think of it as a reward for the good things you've done. Because you've, you've, you've missed it. It has nothing to do with that. That promised land was the promised land. It was already given to them a long time before. 
It was given to them. Just go in and take it. Salvation was planned way, way back. It was already given to us. And if we are now, just now, trying to take it, and we say, well, look at all these good things that I've done. How many weeks in a row have I been to church? And, oh, and look, at, look at this, look at, look at all the things I've done. You know what, God, you could probably accept me now. You're just like they were back then. You're not being rewarded with salvation. It's a gift. You just have to receive it as a gift. You must. There's no other way to get it. So, Naaman is fussing about dipping the Jordan seven times. Aren't there better rivers in my country that I could go dip in? Cleaner and prettier than this one. And his servants had to say, look. And we have to do that to people. We have to tell people, because they'll be offended by the gospel. Bloody. He died on there. He was beaten, and he was hung on a cross, and he bled, and that's just so gruesome. Aren't there cleaner ways? Aren't there cleaner rivers that I can go dip in? And they said, it's not a hard thing what he told you to do. It's so simple to just go dip. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. And he goes down into the river and he dips once, twice. After the sixth time, he's looking at himself and there's no difference. But when he went in that seventh time, he came out and his skin was better than it was before he got leprosy. It was like the day he was born, perfect skin. He was a new person. He was totally cleansed instantly. So, so back to uh, uh, Luke. Notice coming to Jesus in humility, bowing down, uh, and, and earnestly going after him. And, and notice he, he says, if thou will. He, he's, he's, he's not saying, um, if you can. He knows he can. But he's saying, if you will. We need to go to Jesus the same way. And say, Lord, if you will, we know you can. I know you can clean me, Lord. I know you can. I know you can separate my sins from me. And... And, uh, and then the 13, and he put forth his hand and touched him. Can you imagine people around going, no, don't. You're, he's a leper. Don't touch him. You'll be unclean. And he, Jesus walks right over. Oh, think about Jesus taking on all of our sin. He could have stayed away. He could have not allowed it to touch him. But when he was in that garden and he was praying and his disciples were back there sleeping, after he had asked him to watch and pray, he, he didn't want all that on him. He didn't want all that sin on him, but, he, but not my will, but yours be done. And he took on all of our sin on himself. Jesus walked right up to that leper and touched him. That's, that represents that leprosy getting on Jesus. That shows our sin being put on Jesus. And then it said, and then Jesus says, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. So when you are truly born again, because you've accepted salvation as a free gift, then immediately all of your sin has been taken.
taken away. It's all gone in an instant. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according to Moses, uh, as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So it, Jesus, when Jesus was walking this earth, he was still under the law. He had to tell the people to go do the things that you would do under, under the system of Moses. And it's also got some significance there. Um, what should have taken eight days, under the old system, it would take eight days for the ceremonies and all the stuff. You know, eight being the number of new beginnings, there's a process. But we have to remember the process that happens up until the point we truly believe. There, there might be one, but it's something that's happening apart from you. It's apart from you. There's no process in, in getting all your sin away. That is immediate. Go back to immediately the leprosy departed from him. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus, it was so, he, because he told them, look, don't tell anybody. Each time, each, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that's what Jesus, after he immediate, immediately the leprosy left him, and Jesus said, look, don't go tell anybody. Just go to, go to the priest and do the things you're supposed to do. And first thing he does, I think it was in, in Mark, he publishes it uh, big time. He goes right out and starts telling everybody about what happened. Didn't Jesus just tell you not to tell anybody? Now, when your sins have been totally taken away, you're going to be excited. And good luck not telling anybody. So if you're not wanting to run out and tell people, maybe nothing happened. You should really be wanting to tell everybody, even if Jesus himself said don't. Remember the story of Elisha and Elijah that we, we talked about recently? Elijah told Elisha when they were in Gilgal, stay here. I pray you, tarry here. God's told me to go to another place. And, and Elisha's like, no. Unless you're staying here with me, I'm not staying by myself. I'm going with you. And, and, they, and they, they left there, and, and where did they go after that? It was Gilgal, and then was it Bethel? And then from Bethel to Jericho, and then Jericho to the Jordan. And every time, he said, stay here. Elijah said, stay here. And I'm going, God's called me to go over there to Bethel. Oh, uh, uh, I'm going with you. Stay in Bethel. No, no, if you're not staying, I'm going with you. And it was testing. Jesus said, don't tell anybody. You know, it, sometimes it would be better off for me to say, no one read your Bibles this week. I don't want anybody reading their Bibles. And you're going to leave out of here and go, wonder why. Well, I'm reading my Bible. But if I say, please read your Bible, you need to read your Bible every day, you're like, and you never get around to it, right? Maybe that's the way we need to do it. Don't go out there and tell anybody about Jesus. Don't, and definitely don't tell anybody to come to this church. So the man who came to Jesus, was he, he had a very humble attitude, but he had a very great confidence in the Savior. And we need to be that way. We need to be humble. We need to fall on our face before Jesus. 
And, and our confidence does not need to be in ourselves, it needs to be in Him. Uh, it, it, it doesn't say it in this particular story, but you go back to either Mark or Matthew, I'm pretty sure it's Mark, where it says that he, Jesus moved with compassion. That's why it's, it's good to read all three accounts, because those are the, the things that are different, should stand out to you. And when you put all three together, you see it all. Now I read, before we went into that story, I read Psalm 51. Don't read it. Don't read that. And it talks about David. Remember, we just talked about David committing that horrible sin, and Psalm 51 is the result of it. To the prophet Nathan going to... Well, sometimes people need to be convicted of their sin. They don't, they've, they've been in sin for so long that they're no, they know they're, the, the hardness of the heart has happened. They don't, when it starts, you have a guilty conscience. Remember, little kids, when they're little, you don't think they know any better, but they do something they're not supposed to, and then they hide. Why? If they don't, if they're not, oh, they don't know any better. I can remember my mom right here. And my oldest daughter, I'm not going to say her name because this is going to be on a podcast. All right, my oldest daughter was, was not listening. Well, I knew she was hearing me. She was just pretending like she could hear nothing I was saying. And, and, I, couldn't, I, and I got the little switch out. And I can remember mom, mom's going, because I'd already told her twice to do something, and she didn't do it. And I, I'm like, all right. So I started walking over to her, and mom's like, maybe she didn't hear you. I didn't say a word. I just walked over and gave her one little spot, and she ran and did exactly what I had told her. And I looked back at Mom, and I said, I think she did hear me. It was proof that she did hear me. I don't know. So sometimes we have to be convicted. So the little kid knows when you think they might not know any better, they do know better. They have a guilty conscience. But if you allow them to get away with things over and over again, that guilty conscience starts to go away. You will be, they will become more and more dark, depraved. That will happen, and it happens to us. If we don't get corrected in the sins, if no one says anything about it, we, we, First, we're guilty, we feel guilty, we feel bad, but then as you keep stay in it, you, you, all that starts to go away, and it becomes normal. Now, David, it's about a year later, because this, this baby that, that came from that is, is now around, and David is still has not dealt with this, all this sin stuff, and it's almost like he had a hard heart toward it. And he didn't see his sin because he was the king. He could do whatever he wants. And that's when the prophet Nathan came and shared that story about the little lamb, that one, the poor family that had the little lamb. And then you had the, the rich man who had all kinds of sheep, and then the visitor was coming to the rich man. And, and Nathan just was telling the story to David, and David grew up being a shepherd boy, and he took care of little lambs his whole life. And he said, that poor family, their little lamb, it even ate, they fed it from their table. It was like their pet. And that rich man didn't want to kill any of his sheep to feed his uh, visitor. And he went and he took that one little lamb from that poor family and killed it and served it. 
And, and by the time he finished the story, and it was just a made-up story, it was a word picture. And when he finished the story, David was enraged, and he said, he must die. And Nathan looked right in his eye and said, you are the man. Because David had wives. He took the one wife of Uriah. He did what that story was. And it convicted him. So we need to be able... We need to be able to be like Nathan and be, be listening to God. Again, if we were in Deuteronomy 9, we would be talking about the pagans, the pagan religions had little gods that they carved out. They could see their little gods, but their little gods said nothing to them. They could not hear from their little gods, their little made-up God. But Israel, they had a God they couldn't see, but they could hear from him. And we need to be that way. We need to be like Nathan and say, what, how do I minister to that person in a way that is going to convict their heart like Nathan did for David, to where David falls on his face and writes an amazing psalm like 51, Psalm 51, talking about being cleansed and being washed and all that. But don't read it. Don't read it. And then in uh, Psalm 103, Psalm 103 is where we finished up. So this is like a repeat. This, but, you know, I think it's going to hit home a little better after going through this again. And hopefully people will listen to it and get more out of it. So I'm going to read, I'm going to try to read uh, through this psalm. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. This is David talking to us through this psalm about the Lord. Again, notice the, the uh, TH. That's third person. David talking to us or whoever's going to be reading this psalm about his Lord. Who, uh, let's see, where was I at? Three, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Now, we were just talking about leprosy. Diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who Crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy, thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy." He will, he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He's not going to hold back his anger. Sooner or later, time's going to run out. You have got to realize that. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. If he would have, we'd all be tortured and dead. He has not dealt with us after our sins. He's actually dealt with us very mercifully nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, because we would have bad, you know, it would be bad. 
whatever that would be. Uh, now, 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Now, I don't know, uh, Shar, does this sound familiar to you? And when did I talk about this before? Can you think of a time that I may have preached about this? No? Well, yeah, I mean, the whole overall thing. But this right here is what I read at your father's funeral. I don't know if you remember that or not. You're usually really good at remembering everything. Yeah. So I read that. And then I talked about, I don't know, if some of, some of y'all were there, and, and it, 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 notice what it says. It says, for as the heaven is high above the earth. Now, how much higher is heaven above the earth? Remember, remember how I talked about that? And, and at the time, I had just read a story because that new, that new tel- uh, telescope thing, you know, we had the Hubble. It was so grand, and now it's like, that, that old piece of junk? That new one that's out there now can see so much further. And they, they found a planet way, way, way out there that looks a lot like Earth. So, maybe if we can build a spaceship that is really, really super, super fast, we can maybe, when we, you know how we're destroying this earth. Yeah, we can just go to that one. And, and so if we had a spaceship that could travel 186,000 uh, miles per second, is that speed of light? Is it 186,000 miles per second? So light goes around the equator seven and a half times in a second. Boom. Okay, so we build that, that, that spaceship. You know, I've been working on it for a while. I'm nowhere close to that speed yet but I've been working on it. And when I get it built, we're going to be able to get in it and we're going to fly to that planet. I think it will take, I don't remember, 80,000 light years to get there. And heaven is, they can't even see it. Even if you go that far out into the galaxies, into the universe, you still can't see heaven. So his mercy is that great. Next verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Again, because we got, we got at least one person in here that hadn't heard this this past Sunday. Look, just picture the globe. Because we're trying to figure out how far the east is from the west. So I start walking on the globe north. And I'm going to walk and walk and walk. But eventually, I'll be heading south. Or if I start walking south, eventually I'll be heading north. But if I start to walk east, and I start walking and walking, I get around to the other side, I'm still walking east. And it doesn't matter how many times I go around the earth east, I'm still going east. Same thing with west. So it's in eternity. One direction to the other. And when you get down to uh, verse 17, it says... But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them, them that fear him and his righteousness unto the children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Now, you know, we, we know, we understand that we cannot keep the law good enough to be saved. That's not what it's saying right here. All it's saying is we have a Bible right here. 
We have a Bible. And all of this together is His ways, His word, His precepts, His law. And we have to know what this says to know what we're supposed to be believing. You can't just say, oh, I got faith. Faith in what? Oh, I believe. Believe in what? And remember what you say to people who say, oh, I believe in God. And what does James say? James says, so do, the, so do the demons and the devils, and they tremble. But the devils believe in God. They know him well, know him really well. So just believing that there is a God, or just believing that there was a Jesus who walked on this earth and he did great things, just believing that does not save you. You must know what we just talked about tonight, about needing to be washed and cleansed. And how we can't do it, all we can do, we're going to be, in, our souls are going to be enlightened by the Word. The Word of God enlightens our soul. The Spirit of God convicts our soul. But we do have a free will, and when we are convicted, we can go to Jesus, or we can turn away from Him. All right. I think we're done. So we'll do Deuteronomy 9 next week, next Wednesday. And remember, don't read your Bibles this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. And Father, I pray that this word is in our minds and in our hearts and that we are better for it, for it being inside of us. And Father, I pray that it helps us to do the things that you've called us to do. Father, I, help, I hope that we can recognize what gifts you have given us as far as you know, what type of spiritual gifts we have and that we can start to grow in those gifts and, and to put them to use. And Father, we just, we just need you to help us in everything we do. We know that your ways are so much better than our ways. And Father, your thoughts are so much better than our, than our thoughts. And Father, we need you and we are so thankful for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.